I would like to thank him for inviting me, like I say, and I'd also like to thank each and every one of you here this morning for allowing me this privilege and this opportunity to share the gospel with you this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and be turning to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And while you're finding your place to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, I'd like to take just a moment and share with you my testimony. I was saved at the age of 12 years old during a revival meeting at the church that I grew up in. And it was during the days when revivals went from Sunday evening all the way to Friday. Many of you remember them kind of days. It's, yeah, I miss those. But I do believe it was on a Thursday evening during the invitation that I heard my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ call out to me in the words of our text this morning, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And so I got up, I went down that aisle, and I went up to that preacher and I told him I want to be saved. And I remember him and about two other men talking to me and telling me, explaining to me what it was like to be saved and what it was like to be a Christian. And the very next evening, along with many others, I was baptized. Yes, amen. But I was only partially obedient to the calling of my Lord. You see, Jesus called out to me and said, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Well, I got up. Many years later, in 1991, Jesus began to work in my life again. You see, I had backslidden. I turned my back to God and started letting the cares and the lust of the world come between me and my Lord. And um, I'd had enough of it. And I started going back to church and was trying to get, I tried different churches, went back to my home church, and I remember one Sunday morning I took all I could take. And I went up to that altar that morning, and I started praying out to God and repenting of my sins and told him to forgive me, asked him to forgive me, and told him I would re recommit my life to him. And I told that pastor that morning that I was recommitting my life to Christ, and forever after that I was going to follow him by faith. Well, fast forward another 25 years, and Jesus calls out to me, telling me to walk with him. And he led me into several different Bible studies, which eventually led me into Liberty University, where I am to complete my bachelor's degree in biblical studies and evangelism in December this year. But after all these years, I think I finally realized what Jesus meant when he told me to get up, to take up my bed, and to walk. You see, all the time that I was unfaithful to him, he was never unfaithful to me. Yeah, he loved me, and he never, just as he promised, he never left me, and he never forsook me. And that just amazes me. But maybe some of you here this morning have gone through some of the same experiences I have. You know, some of you here this morning may have just recently received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And right now you're enrolled in the new members class with Pastor Stewart, or maybe you're in some of the Bible studies, some of the other Bible studies that we offer here at Calvary. And uh, we're glad to have you here. But some of you might be like me. You might be right now, like I was, discouraged with your walk in Christ. You may have let the cares of this world come between you and your Savior. And I would just like to give you some encouragement right now before we start. Jesus still loves you. And he's not ever going to leave you or he's not ever going to forsake you. But maybe there's some of you here this morning that's never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never had that time in your life, that tugging, where you sensed that something was just not right. Well, today my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will move upon you and you will hear Jesus calling out and asking you, do you want to be healed? And at the end of the message this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to Jesus' calling. So if you found your place in John chapter 5, 
I'd like for you to stand with me as we read the first 15 verses of John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. And it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, he said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we come to you this morning asking that you will open your word to us and to speak to our hearts and to show us our sins that we have committed before you. Open our eyes that we may see the ugliness of our sins and to turn from them and see your righteousness and understand the love that you have for each one of us here this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit will show us and point us this morning to the Lamb of God that we sang about, that taketh away the sin of the world. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Amen. Do you believe the Holy Spirit performs miracles today? Yes. Just recently, Pastor Stewart shared with me an event that happened in his life when a hospital had called him and asked him if he would come visit a man who was in bad shape. So Pastor Stewart called up a friend of his named Paul, and asked him to go with him, and together they went to the hospital. Well, arriving at the hospital, Pastor Stewart said he was just amazed at the IVs this poor man had in his arms, and the number of nurses and doctors who were caring for him. The man had a form of blood poison, and gangrene had actually set up in one of his legs, which he eventually did lose. But seeing the bad shape the man was in, Pastor Stewart approached him and asked him, if he'd ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've heard of it, was the man's reply. But I don't believe not one word of it. Well, Pastor Stewart continued to try to talk to the man, but he wasn't getting anywhere. So eventually he just asked the man if he could pray for him. Satisfy yourself, was the man's reply. Pastor Stewart prayed for the man that God would deliver him from his infirmities and this disease that was crippling him. And they left. Well, the very next day, the hospital called him back up and says, you must come back and see this man. So Pastor Stewart went and picked up Paul, and they went back to the hospital. And this time arriving in the hospital room, the man only had one IV. And there was one nurse in there with him. Realizing that a miracle had just taken place, Pastor Stewart said he walked up to the man to hand him a gospel tract. I don't have no need for that, the man said. Well, the nurse who was there took the gospel tract. She said, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll take it, and I will read it to him. Well, again, they were getting nowhere talking with the guy, so Pastor Stewart asked his friend, Paul, if Paul would pray for him. 
Well, Paul began praying for the guy and praying that God would make himself known to the man, that the Holy Spirit would come and convict him of his sins. And of actually what he was doing, he was praying the gospel over this man. Well, long story short, the man was physically healed, but he was also spiritually healed. You see, Pastor Stewart said two weeks after his and Paul's last visit, his dad, Pastor Stewart's dad, was able to lead this man to Christ. And today, this man is actively out, urgently speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling people what Jesus has done for him and how he healed him. And he's actually a deacon in his church. Yes, ma'am, let me tell you. God does work miracles. We serve a God who can perform miracles, and he does it every day in our lives, whether we realize it or not. And this morning we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ heal a man who the Bible says was an invalid for 38 years. But what I want us to take away from the passage of Scripture today is that we can believe in miracles, but what we are to do is to put our trust in Christ Jesus. We can believe in miracles, but we're to put our trust in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus' primary purpose for coming to earth was not to heal the sick or to feed the multitudes or to clothe the naked. No, his priority was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God and to deliver men from our spiritual disease of sin. He healed people. He healed this invalid that we're going to talk about this morning. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He raised a widow's son from the dead who was being carried to the gravesite in a small village of Nain. And if you're not familiar with this story, you can find it in the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. And I will just share with you, today Nain is a small Arab village on the slopes of Mount Moriah, which I visited on my recent trip to Israel. And there is a church there in Nain that's dedicated to the resurrection of the widow's son. But sadly, today that church... It's closed up. There's a fence around it. We went down to the church. We had to kind of scale down some steps along the fence. Actually, kind of broke in, but we got in there. And uh, it's an old, old church, very beautiful. And in the door, yeah, in the door, uh, they had these great, huge keys, I guess, to unlock them. So there's a big keyhole, and we were able to look through that keyhole into the church, and it was beautiful inside, but it was dead. And it's a stark reminder to us today that we've forgotten the mighty works of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the purpose for Jesus coming to this earth was not to heal us of our physical infirmities. Jesus came to save sinners from the spiritual disease which has separated us from God. We should never, never forget this or ever take this great work lightly. Jesus came to this earth for one purpose. That's to die for my sins and to die for your sins. He came to heal you if you will put your trust in him of your sins which have separated you from God, which have caused death to come into your life, to heal you of this dreadful disease called sin. You know, the Bible tells us that John had one purpose for writing his gospel. And we can find that purpose in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. Which says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, the miracles that Jesus performs were something that we can see so that we may understand and believe something that we cannot see. Now, 
Bethesda actually means the house of mercy. And according to the commentaries and people who study these type of things, the pool at Bethesda was a place where they would bring these sacrificial animals and wash them off and clean them up before they took them into the temple to be sacrificed. And whether a legend or what, people of all kinds of infirmities would gather around this pool at Bethesda, and supposedly ever so often an angel would come down and stir the waters. And if you were lucky enough to be the first in the waters after the angel stirred it, you might be healed. Now this is where we find the man the Bible says had been an invalid for 38 years. And some Bible translations just say that he had an infirmity for 38 years. And I've always been taught that he was a paraplegic or maybe even a quadriplegic. But the actual Greek word is asthenia, which means without strength. It means weakness, total weakness. The man had no strength in him. He was incapable of helping himself. And worse yet, no one was capable or willing to help him. You see, this man was alone. He was hopeless, and he was helpless. And he was dying in this lonely, hopeless, helpless state. Now, scholars believe that there would be as many as three to 400 people, sick people, gathered around this pool at Bethesda at any given day. But during a feast day, there could be more than two or 3,000 blind, lame, and paralyzed people hoping for the chance to be the first in the waters after the stirring. And with this many people gathered around the pool of Bethesda, I often have to wonder, how did Jesus single this one man out? How did he come to this one man? You know, scholars have made many explanations and many illustrations to answer this question. But you know, when Jesus came to me at the age of 12, I was at a revival meeting, and the church was packed. The best I remember, there was three to 400 people there. Jesus came to me, and he singled me out. And he asked me, do you want to be healed? And if you look in verse 6, it says that Jesus knew the man had been there for a long time. The New King James Version says he, Jesus knew the man had been in this condition for a long time. You know, Jesus knows where we're at in our walking life today. He knows your pains. He knows your sufferings. He knows what's troubling you. And if we read this, we see Jesus had compassion over this invalid. Well, let me tell you, Jesus has compassion for you. Jesus loves you. By healing this man of his physical infirmity, Jesus wants you to see how he can heal you of this spiritual disease called sin, which is crippling you. Jesus is going to perform a miracle that you can see that you may believe in something that you do not see. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, spiritually, you're just like this man. You're an invalid. You're helpless and you're hopeless. Dead in your sins and trespasses. Spiritually, you're paralyzed without any strength to save yourself. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there's good news. Jesus loves you and he came to this earth to heal you. He came to this earth born of a virgin. Lived a perfect, sinless life so that he could be this perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. He died on a Roman cross, was buried for three days, and after that he arose from the grave. And I'll tell you today, Jesus is alive and he's well and he's seated to the right hand of the Father, interceding for all of us who have put our faith in him. Jesus is alive today and he's softly and tenderly calling all sinners to come home. But before he can help you, we must admit that we're weak. 
We're too weak to help ourselves. You're not capable of saving yourself from the sin debt you have been charged with. Look down at John chapter 5, verse 5. It says, One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. For 38 years, this man was in this position, lying on a mat, helpless and hopeless. Now, if I was to ask y'all this morning if anybody would be willing to share their strengths in life, what are, you, what are your strong points? You know, some of us might stand up and say, you know, I am strong, I'm not weak. I can bench press 330 pounds. Some of us might brag about being able to run a full marathon. You know, some of us might say, go to the other extreme, say, you know, my strength is in business. And others might say, well, my strength is in finances. I'm a financial wizard. You got financial problems, come to me. And by the way, if that's you, I need to get with you at the end of this service. But if I was to ask you if anybody would be willing to share your weakness this morning, what are you weak at? It would probably get pretty quiet in here, wouldn't it? You know, we do not like to talk about our weakness. We do not like to admit that we're weak in anything. But Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says that without Christ we're just like this invalid. We're weak and we're helpless. What's the source of this weakness? Look down at John chapter 5 verse 14. It says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now I don't want to tell you, stand up here and tell you, that if you commit a specific sin today, something bad is going to happen to you. I don't think that the Bible teaches that if we go out and commit a specific sin, cancer is going to come into our life. Or if you, no specific sin that you've committed has caused you to be sick today. I do not think that. The Bible does not teach that our physical infirmities are caused by specific sins that we commit. The Bible does teach that sickness, disease, and all physical infirmities that we suffer here on this earth is a result for sin. For before sin entered this world, none of these things existed. You know, there was a time when Jesus encountered a man born blind. And his disciples came to him and asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. However, I do believe that some sin this invalid committed caused him to be in the state that he was in. You see, any time, any time that we allow sin into our life, we become weak. We become weak uh, without strength. Sin causes us to suffer and become isolated. Sin is its primary source to our spiritual weakness. We cannot get out of it. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. We're sinners by practice. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin causes our spiritual weakness. But I also want us to see that sin paralyzes us. That we're paralyzed by our weakness. Again, Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. We're paralyzed and do not have the strength to be godly. What's your purpose in life? What did God create you for? You know, Pastor Rick Warren, many years ago, wrote a book entitled The Purpose Driven Life. 
And he wrote the book to answer this very question. What's my purpose in life? And it became one of the best sellers of all time. You know, we all want to know what's our life purpose. Well, let me tell you, our purpose in life is to give God joy. Go home this afternoon and read the 147th Psalm, and you'll see that even though God created all things, His greatest joy comes from our genuine worship and trust in Him. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. But sin has driven this wedge between us and God. It's created this great gulf that we cannot cross. Because of sin, we're paralyzed and unable to live as life God has created us to live. So we see that sin is the source of our weakness. And we see that sin has paralyzed us to the point that we cannot even be the person that God had created us to be. One last thing I want us to see about sin is its dreadful course. This dreadful course of our weakness. Many years ago when I was a teenager, I was riding a horse and she reared up and lost her balance and fell over backwards landing on top of me, crushing my left leg. And this was before the times of orthoscopic surgery and our modern medicine that we have today. And I was in the hospital for a good long while, having different surgeries on my knee. And when I got out of the hospital, I had a cast on my leg and pretty much wore that cast all summer. And I'll never forget when I went back to the hospital and they took that cast off and I looked down at my leg in horror. I thought, what has happened? You see, my leg was a bone with skin around it. There was no muscle. What had happened? Atrophy. That's what happened. You know, the muscles in my leg had deteriorated because I wasn't using them. I could not use it no more. I had to go through several months of therapy just to build muscle back up my leg so that I could learn how to walk on it again. Folks, this man had been an invalid for 38 years, lying on this mat in his sins. He had no strength, none whatsoever. And let me tell you, every day that this man laid in that state, he was getting worse. And so it is with every man, woman, boy and girl here this morning. The longer we lay in our sins, the worse our condition becomes. You must admit your weakness. You must admit that you're a sinner. You must cry out to God and say, you're right. You're right. I have no strength. I am a sinner separated from you, dying in my sins and trespasses. But today... I will lay down my pride in the dust and admit that I need you as my Savior. Let me tell you, Jesus will command you to get up. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God has provided a way for us to come back to Him. He's provided a way to deliver us from our sins through His Son, Jesus Christ, who loves you, and He came to this world to die for you so that you may have life. However, along with this provision comes certain responsibilities. You know, as parents, we understand this as we practice it in the lives with our children. We provide our children with a loving home. We give them food to eat. We send them to school. And for that child's earliest years, they have nothing to worry about. However, we do expect some things in return. We give them chores to do. There are certain things around the house that each child is responsible to do. 
We expect them to put forth effort at school. So that they can learn and become successful in life. And we expect all these things from them because they're our children and we love them. We want them to grow strong and be able to survive in this harsh world they're about to find themselves in. And our children perform these responsibilities because they love us. And they have a desire for, to grow a strong family relationship. Sometimes we have to remind them how much they love us, but still the same. They do love us. <laughs> but it's the same with God. Look again at verses 6 through 9 in John chapter 5. It says, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. Three strong statements in one short sentence. First, Jesus commands the, the, the invalid to get up. Let me ask you, how was this man healed? By grace. There was no other way that this man was healed. He had no strength to do anything for himself. He was without any strength. But the Bible says at once the man was healed. There was no going to therapy. There was no learning how to walk. Immediately, the man was healed. Notice, secondly, that Jesus told the man to take up his bed. Take it up and get it out here. You don't need it anymore. You know, it took just a little bit of faith, I think, for this man to get up. Even though Jesus commanded him to get up, he had to have the faith in Jesus' word to get up. You see, this man didn't know how to stand up. He'd been laying on a mat for 38 years. He didn't have no strength to get up. Jesus told him to get up. He got this faith. You know, I read a good illustration about faith the other day, and if many of you like football as I do, suppose that you found out that they had a limited number of tickets to the Super Bowl game, and you wanted to go to the Super Bowl game. So you go, and you stand in line for a chance to buy a ticket to the game. And you stand in line for two days. And finally, you get up to the window. There's two or three people between you and the ticket. You're about to get a ticket, and you're going to the Super Bowl. But then your best friend... Someone you love and you trust comes by and says, Hey, I've got you a ticket. Come on, let's go to the game. Let me ask you, would you get out of that line and put faith in your friend that he has your ticket? Sure you would. If you loved him and if you trusted him and if you believed in him, you would. You see, salvation comes to us by grace. Salvation came to this invalid by grace. But it was by faith that this invalid took up his bed. He put his trust in the words of Christ Jesus and he stood up. And if Jesus is commanding you this morning to get up and to repent of your sins, to turn away from them and turn toward Him, I pray that you will place your faith in Him this morning and right now and turn from, his, turn from your sins and turn toward the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, you start walking. You begin serving Christ who has sealed you. Think back to the man dying of the blood poisoning that I shared with you at the beginning of our lesson this morning. Jesus miraculously healed this man of his physical infirmities. Jesus healed the man from the disease that was attacking his spiritual well-being also. The disease that was causing him spiritual pain, sickness, and bringing death upon him. Jesus healed him. Let me ask you, do you remember what the man did after he received spiritual healing? He couldn't sit still no longer. He had an urgency to go tell others what Jesus had done for him. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That emptiness, that weakness, that sin is brought upon you is gone. You have renewed strength and a desire to worship and to serve God who loves you. And you seek to do His will. You study the Scriptures. You tell those that you know what Jesus is doing for you in your life. You have this renewed purpose in life to bring God joy. John makes it clear to us why he wrote this miracle or what he called a sign. He wrote it so that every one of us here this morning might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let me ask you, do you have this life? Has there been that time where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know, right now, Jesus is asking you, do you want to be healed? And you have to answer that question. You have to answer and say, no, Jesus, I just seem to lay here on my mat and wallow in my sins. Or you can say, yes, Jesus, yes. I want to put my faith and trust in you. I want to have this life that you promised me that you came and died for me. Yes. You know, God created us to have perfect fellowship with him in a perfect world. But we told him we didn't need him. That we could make our own world. And we sinned against him by disobeying his commands. Do you know what sin is? Sin is breaking God's law. Have you ever told a lie? Do you know the Bible says that if we break one commandment, we've broken them all? All of us have sinned, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And the Bible goes on and tells us the wages of our sin is death, eternal separation from God. You've been separated from God through your sins and your enmity with Him. But you know what? God still loved you and He sent His Son to come to this world and die for you that you may be reconciled to Him and Him to you. Jesus Christ came and died for you and me even while we were still sinners. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 said, For if while we were enemies, enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. By receiving Christ and following Him by faith, we become new. Just like we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you can have His life today if you're willing to repent of your sins and follow and serve Him. You may be here this morning and say, there has been that time in my life when I've accepted Jesus as your Savior. But you've drifted away from Him. You've allowed the cares of this world and the lustfulness in this world to come between you and your Lord Jesus Christ. And today you may realize this isn't where I want to be. You may remember the days that you had that intimate relationship with Jesus and you want them back. You can have it today and I invite you to do that today. You can just start praying right now and tell God that you have become distracted from the world and asking for your forgiveness and to welcome you back. And I guarantee you, He's sitting there with open arms wanting you to come back to Him. But then you may not have ever, you, you may 
not have ever had that time in your life when you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. If this is you, if you're willing to repent of your sins, to do an about face, to turn away from the lust of this world and turn toward the righteousness of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and pray with me this simple little prayer. But before you do, let me tell you, repeating these words after me will not save you. It's got to come from your heart. You must have this willingness to want and desire to accept Jesus into your life and the willingness to repent of your sins, to turn from them and turn from Jesus. And if it's this you, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. Just repeat after me. God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look up. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, let me tell you right now, God has accepted you through the blood of Jesus Christ into his family. You are now a child of God. And if you prayed that prayer, let me just ask you, if you would just lift up your hands and give Jesus the glory for what he's done for you today. And I want to ask one thing, our, our leaders and deacons here at the church, if you would just raise up your hand. Just stand up and raise up your hand real, real high so people can see you. Yeah, and if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ into your life this morning, you pick out one of these guys and you go to them after this service and you tell them, say, I pray to accept Jesus as my Savior. And let them talk with you and pray with you and help you understand what it means to become a Christian. And maybe they can get some information from you so that we can follow up with you and talk to you more about maybe even believer's baptism. And again, baptism does not save no one. You were saved. You were accepted into the family of God the moment you prayed that prayer. Baptism is that public confession. It's coming before the church and saying, I have placed Jesus Christ in my life. I have prayed for him to come into my life. I am now a Christian. And I want the church to know that I've made a commitment to follow him the rest of my life. But just as I tell my Sunday school class every Sunday morning, it's very important for you to get involved in the church and to read your Bible every day. You see, the Bible is food for our soul. It's where we get the nourishment to grow and strengthen in the Lord and pray. We're to pray every day. And you might say, well, I really don't know how to pray. Well, it's like this. You just go to the Lord in prayer and you say, God, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know what to say. But I know this. I know I need help. And I come to you as the source for my help. And Jesus will hear you. You know, God loves it when, our, when his children come to him and wants to talk to him. He's, he loves that. He loves to talk to you. One, very, very, one other very important thing I want to ask us to do. Just as the invalid was obedient to Jesus' command to take up his bed and walk, I encourage every one of you here this morning to be obedient to Jesus. To take up your bed this morning and walk out of here and go tell someone today what Jesus has done for you.